Hello, you're listening to Archive on Dub Lab with Liam O'Mahony. Today I'm joined by my good friend Jesse Sapel. Jesse is a Los Angeles native who runs the record label Motion Ward. We'll be talking about his experiences in LA's mythical beat scene and his position in the city's exciting dance music landscape today. Thank you for listening. Jesse. Hello, Liam. Thanks for sitting down with me today. You're welcome. So you got into the world of electronic music through the beat scene here in Los Angeles. And at the time, it was the preeminent music movement in the city. Can you talk a little bit about how you got from there to here? Uh, yeah. So um, like a lot of my friends and like early people that I met within the like musical music community in LA, uh, I got really interested in electronic music through hip hop, I would say. And like, and then going to low end theory and I mean, pretty much hearing like Jay Dilla and all of the stuff that was being played there, except it didn't sound like him. And it sounded like, like evolved or different in some way. 
and it was just like this place where it wasn't like a typical club environment and you could go and you can listen to like this like weird music that you wouldn't normally associate with like a club setting in LA and uh, yeah it was just like really special and I just remember going and feeling like I wanted to go back like every week for you know the foreseeable future and yeah yeah low in theory it was like a really I think for a lot of people was a really formative experience going there and hearing music put together in a way that maybe wasn't uh, how you'd hear it in DJ sets usually it was kind of like all over the place but it was really forward thinking um can you talk about some of the people you you would see at a typical night low in theory some of the music they were playing for sure yeah i i really uh was into people like you know the whole brain feeder records label people like you know flying lotus that, that was like a really big one for me uh mind design knowledge this dude juge who was a part of we did it but like one of the like kind of more low-key members i would say um they all kind of shared like this like similar similar style that i was like super drawn to and um a lot of it and dibiase and like you know even friends who, who i still hang out with like uh trey like ashtray jenkins was another one who i discovered there and a lot of them were were playing on an sp404 like him and dibiase and like a couple of other dudes i think as well and um that seemed to be like kind of something that was like helping to shape the sound a little bit and it was really uh it was something that i'd never heard before so at what point did you want to get more involved in the music um it's hard to say exactly but i i just remembered uh going all the time and like feeling so passionate about it in a way that i hadn't felt about anything really and I had a, f a good, fr like one of my best friends was making a lot of music at the time. And a lot of it was like kind of inspired by it, by, by that and by other things and by hip hop and, you know, uh, just like general like sampling. And yeah, I, he was making really good music, my friend Evan. And I decided that I wanted to like start kind of, a I didn't know that I wanted to start a label. Um, I, I wanted to like do something, but, um, I wanted to throw like an event and kind of like put out music of his, but like, I didn't quite know exactly what, um, so we like threw a show and then I eventually ended up putting out his first EP and, um, and that's kind of what like propelled my, my current journey, uh, within, within like the music realm, I guess. And he, um, that that label was like my first like experiment with like doing something like that and was that the melt that was yeah cool maybe talk a little bit more about the melt and uh because it was a party and mm -hmm. a label it was some yeah. of the music and mm -hmm. uh what was going on there so that that was like uh you know uh, a bit of a trial and error type of situation um but it was fun for a little bit there uh it's just pretty much like me and a group of friends who our tastes were kind of kind of uh they were they were they were different but similar enough to to start something and i i i never really felt quite like in it you know but i 
I really just wanted to like have this platform for like my close friends music, which was uh, Evan at the time. Made music as Gossamer. Yeah, exactly. And um, yeah, so uh, we were throwing parties and our first party, trying to remember who we had, I think it was like John Wayne and Elos, who were two, uh, <coughs> two people at the time who were a part of the LA, LA beat scene. And uh, Elos was actually somebody who I forgot to mention. Big shout out to him. I used to really, really love his sets. Um, and yeah, so asked him to play our party and it was like Evan who played him, John Wayne, my friend Roger, and uh, a couple of other dudes who were a part of the, uh, the melt at the time. Um, and yeah, so we did that and then threw a few more parties and then put out like a compilation of <coughs> a lot of the people who we were like coming into contact with through like parties or just like the internet or whatever. And, um, after that, things kind of just we all we all kind of went our separate ways music wise, um, and yeah, it was a it was a cool like learning experience in the sense that like I it made me realize that I just I kind of I don't know at this point I I kind of like uh, it's I I don't know I like doing things on my own I guess now just because it, it's it's easier to just do something that you feel really honest about, I guess. And like something that you don't have to like compromise about too much, too much with. So at what point did you get involved with boiler room? Um, so I got involved with boiler room a couple years, like I would say like three years into three or four years into like, uh, doing the melt and having, um, interned for a little bit at this local label called Anticon uh as well with uh Sean Coplo who's also a LA LA guy and um I started to do some event production for Boiler Room in LA finding different locations for them to use and um that was actually a, a cool time too because it introduced me to uh some friends here that I now still am friends with in LA like Trey being one of them um, Ashtray Jenkins and um, it put me on to you know a lot of things in the city that I didn't necessarily know about that were happening um, but I also felt like it wasn't really covering the uh, the depth that I, I felt like LA's like scene had um, so it was good and, and you know it was a it was a cool experience um, and yeah that's uh. <laughs> Yeah, cool. Talk maybe talk about some of the things that working there, or maybe through the melt, you got put on to. Because I know mm -hmm. it, it seems like the beat scene was really um, like a, a disparate scene of people mm -hmm. um, in general, and maybe some of the people that you discovered around then. Because I feel like we're getting to a point where a lot of that music is like some of it's kind of falling into the, the sands of time, mm -hmm. and um, it really was an exciting time for music. It was, yeah, it was a super exciting time, and. I still like really enjoy a lot of it when I like go back and listen to it. Um, and I think that, I mean, sorry to go off from your question here, but I, th something I, I thought about, uh, I've, I've thought about a bit is why maybe, um, it like fr my friends and I like just like felt like we wanted some to hear something new after, you know, a few years of like continuously like kind of, um, like hearing a similar sound is 
I feel like there is only so much like dynamic within like the beat scene and like the type of music being made um, to where it's, it's kind of, it kind of exists in like this, uh, this certain like mood that is like, you know, it's, it's not too intense and it's, it's definitely like, you know, there's beats to it and it's like not totally ambient. Um, but it is like this kind of like, it doesn't have like this wide range in the way that, um, say like dance music does in a way. I feel like there, there's so many like different like moods and energy levels that are kind of like packed into that. And I felt like maybe that's why a lot of my friends and I were like moving like forward and, uh, out of the beat scene in LA. Yeah. It's interesting. Cause a lot of those guys, uh, now are making house or techno music Mm -hmm. and, uh, how did you kind of get into that more like straightforward dance music world? It was definitely like very slowly over time. Um, like a lot of things that that I, I become very interested in musically, uh, they they really grow on you in different ways. And like it, it, a lot of it has to do with context, especially, especially with dance music, you know, hearing something in the right place at the right time, um, being at an event, or like out and like finally like being like oh wow like I get it now and I'm like not on drugs you know which was a thing in LA for a long time like growing up in LA and I mean during the like my late teens early 20s uh that was like really my first exposure to dance music and in LA I didn't know about you know all of the the stuff that had been going on here for a really long time um, that is like, you know, ingrained in the city, which hasn't always been as apparent as it is now, but has kind of existed as like a, a steady, like undercurrent. But my exposure to, to raves and dance music was through, you know, these events like hard and, uh, you know, just not the, not the best, like, you know, dance music that is out there, but it was kind of like a gateway for me to get into something that was a bit deeper yeah, I feel like that's a common thread I've been hearing from people on this show is that uh, hard and insomniac events are kind of... Uh, I mean, that's all you really thought about when you thought about dance music at the time. Um, and it was almost like the music was an afterthought to these uh, parties that maybe reached even like mythical status. I was a little bit younger and hearing stories of people going to these things and like overdosing on <laughs> bad ecstasy or something. and like Totally. That, that was such a big part of it was was all of that and uh that <clears throat> i mean in a way like got me really interested in in dance music right because it's like the perfect soundtrack to all of this like that you you mention or or whatever and uh but then when once those things are stripped away and you're left with just this i don't want to say soulless but just not not very like i don't know not very like deep like music i mean a lot of it is very like a lot of what i was hearing back then was just like party music and that's what it was it was like strictly party music and i'm not saying that i don't enjoy that kind of thing but i think that there's a certain style of that that is really really nice and like pays homage to like its roots in a way that is much more like uh tasteful i guess than a lot of the stuff that was happening here um and I think that hearing that kind of music 
and and the combination of that with uh what you were mentioning earlier with the you know the partying and the drinking and the you know the drugs you know that that like got everybody's like juices flowing in a way and then the people who are like really interested in it like once those things are stripped away it just it nothing much is left but you're still interested in that finding that kind of like sensation and I found that through like you know digging a little bit deeper into dance music after that so was that a process that happened uh at home was it like finding music online or did you start going to different parties and getting exposed it was partially at home and partially going out um i remember one of the during when i when i was working for boiler room was actually when it uh <clears throat> when i i started to really become a lot more interested in dance music the 100 percent silk sh- uh, showcase was like a really really great one and a big one for me and um you know people like bobby browser and uh seeing like yeah i mean his his set at boiler room really i still remember a lot and um that was like my my first real exposure to like really good like live house music and um yeah so there was that and then uh there was uh when when i was throwing uh, a part the the melt parties uh with my friend roger uh, we we had the chance to book Ben UFO at Pearson Sound in Pangea for an all night set at Los Globos, um, which is a, a space that a lot of people were going to for a while, um, and that was like a super super huge night for me as well. Seeing seeing them DJ, uh, it, it and just seeing the attention to detail they put into the entire night as being like this kind of like long story almost was something that i never experienced here before and a super super inspiring point for me i think yeah those are two really interesting things to bring up because on one hand you have 100 percent silk a california label that it's overlooked now but at the time it was such a novel thing to see like this combination of indie music ethos during the time of i guess the peak of indie music around the time that 100 percent silk was really uh, rising in popularity you had people like i who used to be in like a discord band coming out and making this um dance music that was a little rough around the edges and then on the other hand you have uh hessel audio this kind of like uk like very rooted in a tradition kind of like coming out of the dubstep and a lot more like refined um I guess, where did you start developing your own identity as a DJ? I mean, I <clears throat> I still feel like I'm looking for that in a way. I feel like it's like a constant thing um, at this point. I've been DJing for about four or five years now. And, um, you know, veering to, like through a lot of different styles, I think. And, um, yeah, I, I, I guess that I don't, I, it's hard for me to say that like I have a real identity as a DJ. I just I I just um I really like the idea of, you know, a DJ set feeling like emotional and having like, you know, uh I think that the emotional connection to it is like what the biggest thing is for me and making sure that there is that and um whether it be like through ambient music or dance music or just you know jazz or experimental music i think that if if the whole thing has like a vibe to it you know that's i i guess what i i strive for 
Um, I know that's very vague, uh, but... I know what you mean, though. Yeah. And I think that actually it's kind of reflective of some of the people you mentioned earlier. Um, was any What was some of the music at the beginning that piqued your interest and you thought, oh, this is like, I'm into this? Um, you know, it's it's honestly, it's really hard to say. And it's it's something that I haven't thought about recently. Um, but are, do you mean more in the sense of like dance music or just in music in general or anything, anything? Well, I, I distinctly like have this moment that I, I always come back to, which is, you know, like hearing, uh, hearing slum villages, like fantastic volume two for the first time. Like that was like a massive like thing for me. Uh, the tune like climax and just like the bass lines and just, the simplicity of it all but like the 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 mood behind it it just felt perfect um and that that at that point that was when i really just started to like get a lot more into music um and i I still that's one of the the very few memories that i have of of those earlier times of me like of those like earlier you know turning points i guess um that i i always come back to in my head yeah that's just such a perfect album. I think it's like the I don't know, you can't really get more soulful mm-hmm. than that record. Or in an interview I was doing with Cooper a couple of weeks ago on this show, we were talking about how in LA if you have like a CD or a tape in your car, you sort of live with it for a long time. Totally. And that was the only I had Fantastic Volume 2 in my car for like maybe a year and a half. <laughs> I can totally relate. To and, uh, it just doesn't get old. Yeah, no, for sure. And I like the whole uh, driving in LA thing and uh, you know what you were talking about, like having a CD in your car. I think that's such a like LA specific kind of deal too. It's like we're always driving and uh, sometimes it's just like, you just want to hear some music that is like really, really like nice for like this, this environment that we live in. And like lately I've been more so like kind of feeling that way, like more so trying to like soundtrack the day in a way like, Oh, it's the morning. I'm going to listen to, you know, like Pharaoh Sanders. Oh, it's nighttime. I'll listen to like this sound of Belgian compilation that I have, you know, it's like trying to find these moments throughout the day to like, like contextualize music for yourself, I guess. Yeah, totally. You, you kind of become your own DJ for sure. (laughs) Um, so you started working at Amoeba Music. That's probably the most famous record store in California. Um, is that something, maybe talk a little bit about how you got there and uh, if that exposed you to anything new and if that's informed kind of your tastes. Oh, totally. Yeah, it's been really, really cool. Um, I got that job through a friend of mine, Kyle, who uh, is also from LA, runs a record label with another friend of mine, Jesse, called Private Selection big shout out to those guys yeah definitely um and i uh yeah i started working at amoeba a couple years ago and it's it's been it's been really cool because it just it's exposed me to a lot of music that i wouldn't have necessarily come across had i had been left to my own devices um and yeah it's it's been like in thinking about it like huge actually because it's just been this period of time of like listening to music um granted i haven't been making any music since i started working there um you know which is it is what it is but i i feel like i've kind of replaced that in a way with like obsessive listening 
and um i i think that being there has been like a really kind of um it's been it's been very stress free and easy going in in life being there so when i'm not there i'm not like worried about you know uh i'm not worried about my day job i just like get to listen to music and it's kind of nice right now yeah let's talk a little bit about your own music mm-hmm. can you maybe talk a little bit about uh, your evolution as an artist yeah so it's always been something that i haven't taken um like too seriously my own like my own music for me it's like my friend i've always been a lot more interested in my friend's music and um but i there was a time when i was like you know actively like working on stuff a lot more and um it it was kind of like early on i was experimenting with like a lot of like faster tempos like 160 bpm like otter like kind of like ambient footwork type of stuff and then um i started like i mean drums have always been a really big thing for me i played drums in a in a band in high school it was in a hardcore band with with my friend evan um called the keep and so i i think that percussion has always been like really a big thing for me so i've always just tried to like make nice drum loops and I'm also like very very interested in like texture and um like ambient sound. So it's been like a lot of that in different forms all of those things. And I haven't been making anything over the past year though. I I literally haven't except for a couple of things with uh with our homie Xander. Big shout out to him as well. <laughs> yeah, big shout out to Xander. Uh real good guy. He is indeed. Um so around the time you were working at Amoeba, you started Motion Ward, which is your current label and mm-hmm. I guess probably your main pursuit in the world of music right now. Um, can you talk about the genesis of that, some of the artists you've been working with and your kind of vision for the label? Totally. Um, so the label started off with a tape from Trey uh, Brown Irvin, a.k.a. Ashtray Jenkins, uh, who is somebody that I met in when I was going to a lot of the the more like beat oriented events in LA, like beat scene, like hip hop inspired stuff. And, um, he's a, a very like good example of somebody who I connected with, who had a very similar trajectory as me, who, where we were like very into, into that stuff that was happening in LA. But then we both, um, latched on to, you know, house and techno and, uh, yeah. So we've always connected on that. And he, he started, really like really really going deep into it and started transitioning out of the the type of stuff that he was making um which was more like on the the hip-hop inspired tip and then moved into like kind of a like houseier and techno like realm i guess you could say but his stuff always has had like this kind of hip-hop like inspiration as well so it has like this this really interesting like swing to it and it just doesn't sound to me like like it's coming from a, a the mind of somebody who's like trying to make house and techno which is why i find it interesting so uh we started the label off with his tape which was a two tracker those songs in a way molded like kind of like a vision that i had at the time for the label as being like a place to release music that wasn't quite for like meant for like the club environment but could still kind of like function maybe in an odd way there 
um, but was more like suited towards things like driving in LA. And um, I, I really liked like the meditative qualities of, of that release and how there weren't very many chord changes and like the simplicity of it and how it kind of like, like gr- it, it, it kind of like just got to a certain place and just stayed there for a long time. And I really like that with, with in music. Um, and I think that that's kind of <clears throat> been, been reflected in, in a certain way with, with the releases. Um, there, it, there really is no ethos or anything to the label. It just kind of like, I think if anything, like the artists that I choose to work with kind of like create the, the vision for the label. Um, so yeah, I don't know. That's, kind of how it started yeah trey's a really good example of someone who came out of that beats world and entered into this house and techno world that seems to be like the main thing going on in the underground right now i get what you mean by it It seems like a lot of artists here aren't necessarily interested in making like club tools um a lot of it uh is more like i don't know i don't like the term listening music because all music is listening music Mm -hmm. but i think it's like kind of a it kind of explains it Mm -hmm. uh do you, why do you think that is in Los Angeles that people are more interested in uh, like home listening or things outside of uh, like really functional club music? Well, I think it is because we do spend so much time like apart from each other here and LA is, is, you know, very spread out and there is kind of this like sense that's, that there's like a lack of community in a way because of that. Um, which, which isn't true entirely, you know, but it just, it can feel kind of lonely at times. Um, and I think that having music that kind of like keeps you company in a way, um, is, is a big thing for me at least. Um, music that like, I can just like kind of get lost in and not necessarily like escape with, but just music that is like, I don't know, it kind of like caters to like a more like active listening type of thing. But at the same time, I could say it cater it, it LA is a place where you could passively listen to music all of the time because of all the driving, you know. Um, but I've found personally that like the the active listening element of, of music has really like helped me kind of um, just like be okay with like the current LA situation and like having been here my whole life. And having dealt with like these things that, you know, like I mentioned, like the, you know, the, the separation from like your friends for like, you know, like I haven't seen you for like, you know, what, a month. It doesn't feel like abnormal though, because that's just kind of like how it is sometimes here. And it's just, it is what it is. It's not always a bad thing. Um, But I think that, yeah, I think some of the music that I listen to is maybe reflective of that. So are there any people in LA that you've been working with or you met through music um, that have inspired you or that uh, you've enjoyed working with? Totally. Uh, Yeah. My friend Spencer is definitely somebody who I've consistently connected with uh, on a, on multiple levels since we started hanging out. Um, Definitely music wise. He's somebody who, I, uh, I threw, we threw uh, an event together recently, um, called rounded where we brought out one of our favorite DJs from Glasgow bake. Um, and Spencer and I, um, opened up the night. Um, but we regularly will play records together and, um, we've played a few different shows in LA, like back in a back to back format. 
and um, he's somebody who I'm eventually trying to start like some type of residency with here in LA. Um, and yeah, he's just, he's been someone who has like really inspired me to play music with. Um, and it's, it's nice when you have those friends who you can just, um, like you can put on a song and they can play something that like really like is, is thoughtful and makes sense with what you played. And I don't know, uh, it, it's it's hard to come by i feel like somebody who kind of sees djing in a similar way as you do and um you know he's definitely that person um for me at least and uh somebody who i'm like really looking forward to doing more things with here he has an nts show uh called circle packing which if you haven't listened to you definitely should because he plays like a very wide range of music um and moves through moods in a very like interesting way that definitely makes sense um and i think that's one of my favorite qualities in djs like when they can like play a variety of music and like connect it through like some like weird way you know like playing a you know a dance track into like a folk track or something it doesn't sound like it would work but like uh certain people can definitely do that um and yeah i think that us like me spencer and i like uh, like every time like i hang out like i feel like uh like inspired to to continue doing this type of thing and i think that's really important uh is is finding people to connect with on that level who can just kind of like when you're necessarily not necessarily feeling like inspi- like completely inspired on your own to have somebody who you can go and like connect with that can help kind of like uh propel that in a way totally and i feel that way about a lot of friends in la like getting to just even getting to like talk about things uh like we're doing right now you know and beyond artists from la you've also worked uh artists kind of globally with the label um ultra fog is an artist from japan right Mm -hmm. Uh, how did you get linked up with him or her i'm not um him yeah he so i met him actually i was introduced to him by uh shy whose record was the most recent release on motion ward uh yuan um and just for a sec i want to like talk about that crew because that's a very like inspiring group of people for me right now Yeah, Um, absolutely so like shy and um his partner namey both make music um and they were living in Chicago for a while um, and put together this this compilation uh, called Bliss. And that was like a, a really, really like big deal for me coming across that um, because it was this group of artists like who I had no idea about, but who seemed to like really share this like similar uh, mood throughout their music. And uh, it was something that like I, f- I really, really connected to and I like and like I bothered him for like a year to like send me stuff and um eventually like he came out here and played the Black Lodge with me and um everything came together like pretty nice and naturally after that yeah so what again going back to what I was saying about like the artists kind of like shaping like the sound of the label I think that him in particular uh Shy uh his sound was like super like inspirational to me and was like unlike anything i'd ever heard and it 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 kind of like 
put me out of the normal way that like I would listen to music because it took so long for it to grow on me. But when it did, I was just like, okay, this is amazing. Um, and I feel that way about like the crew that he's also like involved with his partner, Naomi, um, Ula Strauss, who's from Chicago, uh, M do who's from Kansas, um, all who are featured on that compilation. Um, and yeah, so I met ultra fog through, through shy who showed me his music and then I reached out to him and he, uh, he was interested in doing a release. Um, so that should be coming out in like a few months, the ultra fog one. Yeah. So maybe for someone that hasn't heard that bliss compilation, can you describe maybe some of that sound, um, and what was so inspiring to you about it? Yeah, absolutely. So it, to me like rode this like nice middle ground of like ambient music but like not like background ambient music it was the type of the type of thing where um it was really the most like rewarding in a way when when you were like actively listening to it as opposed to passively which is i guess what the traditional like uh ambient like definition is something that should be like you know, ignorable or something. Like, I didn't feel that way about this music. Um, and it just, it's it's very, again, like, kind of minimal in its, like, chord progressions and stuff like that. It'll just, like, meditate on a few, like, choice elements for, like, a long duration. And um, a lot of music that, like, I've become interested in over the past, like, three or four years was, like, because of... Um, like me trying to find other music that shared the qualities of things like Gas, which is this project by Wolfgang Voigt. For those who like aren't familiar, um, I was I was trying to find things that kind of sounded like that, but you know weren't that. Um, and yeah, anyways, sorry I'm going very off track here. But the the music on the Bliss tape was it was textural. It was like this this really perfect mood where it's like. It's not, it's not sad. It's definitely not like happy, but it's like, it is in a way, it's just kind of like this, like, it just makes you feel good, but it's not like feel good music. I don't know. It's, no, I know it sounds really, <laughs> really bad, but. <laughs> so outside of dance music, one thing I think of when I think of Jesse is food. You're like a, at least for me, the resident expert <laughs> on Los Angeles food culture. Um, want to talk about some of your favorite things in the city and i definitely love love this city's food um it's incredible in so many ways uh and um i it's it's like it's hard because again it's so big and there's so much of it that it's it's really like i've lived here for 27 years and i haven't explored like even probably like half of what the city like has to offer um you know, like in the way that somebody like Jonathan Gold has or something who is like, you know, obviously the the guru of Los Angeles, like food culture. If if you're coming to L.A. and you're looking for restaurant recommendations, just look up Jonathan Gold's recommendations and you'll be you'll be good. Um, but some of my my favorite, like consistent things about L.A. food are obviously like you know, the, the Mexican food here is, you know, it, I don't know how much better it gets in the United States than this. Um, like the wide ranging, like the, there, there's a, um, 
you know, there's a taco truck or taco stand in in every little like part of the city, multiples of them. And um it's so flavorful, so insane. Um sorry, I'm just like thinking about all of the food that I'd like to talk about and getting distracted. I have a very short attention span. Um, but something that I, I definitely want to mention is is Langer's because that's like a you know a staple spot. Um, the number nineteen is a pastrami sandwich that is something that you know I I like to talk about a lot because it's just like absolutely amazing. Um, and yeah, I mean, there's just where do we start? Like you know, food wise, like it's just there's just so much. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it is such a big part for me mm-hmm. of DJ culture because when you bring someone to your city the first thing anybody wants to do is try at the local fair. Totally. And I feel like I've been in that situation with you a few times and I know we've been in good hands, but when someone comes to LA, what usually is the first thing you want to show them? Is it Mexican food or, you know, we've got such a rich history of like Thai food and uh, Chinese food, Japanese food. I think Mexican food is definitely like the first thing that will come to mind. Um, And there, there's also like a lot of really amazing Thai food. Uh, Thai town is like, a, a recent place that I've been going a lot more um, because a friend of mine, Spencer, uh, AKA Akko lives right down the street. So um, we, we definitely like, we, it's a place we took, uh, we took bake Barky from Glasgow here uh, to Thai town when he was, when he was around. And uh, yeah, that's just, there's this place, Sunam Luong, which we've been going all the time, which is amazing. And um it's definitely one of the highlights of LA for me, like the food here. And it's something that like a lot of people are very like blown away by when they come here. I think DJs and like artists and it's something that they, that really sticks with them and they remember about this city. I think it's like music. Yeah. That you can eat. Absolutely. It's a cultural document. You can learn a lot about a people. You can learn a lot about history. Totally. And it makes people really happy. Oh yeah. It's, it's one of the, the greatest uh, sources of, inspiration and happiness for me for sure <laughs> what is your go-to mexican spot when someone comes and visits if it's an eagle rock is it estrella or is it estrella I'll, I'll take people to la estrella because it's it's right down the street and it's it's easy um and it's really affordable um but my favorite spot is in lincoln heights at uh the corner of it's like pasadena avenue and avenue 26 um it's a little stand called Tacos Lupitas and I've been going there like every Tuesday with a couple of coworkers and uh, I can honestly say it's the best the best that I've had in the city. Wow, you've been going from Hollywood to Lincoln Heights yeah, for lunch. Totally. Well, it's actually like after. So we'll go like after we close at 11. Um and it's kind of like on the way home for me and it's just unbelievable. Yeah, it's so good. So you work at Amoeba, which is like, I think, everybody's most well-known record store, maybe in the States, definitely in California. Um, But LA does have a lot of record stores. And through being into record digging for a while, is there anywhere else that you've liked checking out here or uh, places you like to frequent? Um, Yeah, I mean, I do most of my like record buying at Amoeba or sadly on Discogs. but there are definitely like a lot of other spots in LA uh, that are really, really great. Uh, Record Jungle is one of them that, you know, most people from here, like who are 
very like into buying records go to. Uh, it's in Whittier, and it's one of those places where it's not really organized like that specifically, but it almost makes it like more fun in that way because you're just like digging through like these stacks of records that I mean it's it's broken down by like jazz, soul, rock, and like I think they have like a twelve inch section for like uh maybe twelve inch dance section. I don't know if they do actually. I, I think it's it's really fun uh, digging for records in a place like that or in places like that um, where things are not really like super specifically organized because it allows you to stumble across things that you wouldn't have necessarily like looked looked for. Um, and that's how I feel about that spot. Um, and yeah, I've I've definitely like found some really really nice stuff there and um man it's just it's hard it's hard because there are there are many but i just i've been so uh just you know in it at amoeba being there five days a week and like always like looking for music there it's it's hard to like want to go outside of there and find music yeah when i'm not there it's kind of like a a mecca for record buyers um if you found any of like your holy grail records while working there or anything that you've been like searching for a long time that you finally found as an employee at Amoeba? Um, yes. Uh, let's see. So one of the ones that comes to mind, uh, is the, uh, actually, no, I didn't find this at Amoeba. Um, but it's a record that I've been wanting to own for a very long time. And I came across it at, uh, this orange County shop called, uh, Dr. Free Clouds which is a strange little spot because it's uh it's like it's in the heart of Orange County which is not the the kind of place you would expect to find like a dance music record store and that's what that place is it's like owned by this guy who is like a very big like uh I th- I don't want to like say say this if I'm not entirely certain but I think he was like a big DJ within like the realm of like uh like gabber and hardcore and trance I want to say um, in LA, like early on. And he has a record store in Orange County and it's like the most specifically broken down, like by genre record store I've ever been to, but like the genres all being within dance music. So there's like acid, electro, like IDM, uh, you know, hard house, trance, uh, like it's all broken down that specifically, which is, which is, uh, something like I've never experienced in LA. Um, but oddly enough, I found this John Hassel record that I've been, you know, super, like super, uh, super into for a very long time there. The Akka Darbari Java record. I found that there and that was, that was very nice. Um, recently came across this Stephen Melinda record at Amoeba that I've been seeking out for a very long time. And it just kind of like, popped up out of nowhere and I was like this is amazing that this happened and that that was the most recent memory of uh one of those experiences there I would say how did you find that place in Orange County was it recommended to you or you just kind of like stumbled upon it when you were down there it was recommended to me um and I believe it was recommended to me by uh a guy who I used to work with uh Josh McClintock it was a waiter with him at the Cheesecake Factory and he he's interesting because he he was a part of like the uh, LA dance music scene early on, like in the nineties. And 
um, was coming up with like Doc Martin and a lot of other LA like you know early LA staples who were like bringing like dance music to LA um, and so he was somebody who I connected with at a me at uh, the Cheesecake Factory um, and he's still like super like you know he's buying like a lot of newer records and paying attention to like all of the stuff that's currently happening um, so you know when we connected on like that it was just like oh okay like you know we're gonna be buds now and he has uh, a Discogs store which he sells like he's selling like a ton of his collection and his discog store is um oddly named me win you lose which is like a poker reference i guess like a poker name he once had it's not exactly like the best like discogs like seller name that you like might come across but um yeah anyways i found out about uh dr free clouds through him that's awesome it's funny because i was going to ask you like Amoeba is known for hiring a lot of people in the music scene and mm-hmm. you met anybody interesting working there, but it's kind of funny that one of the most, or the person that came to mind was someone you met at the Cheesecake Factory. For sure. Like <laughs> hardly a, a center of culture. <laughs> no, yeah. It's uh, it's far removed from that. Um, but That's where you, yeah, that's what yeah. I get for making assumptions. Um, but at Amoeba, uh, Jordan Heiser is the uh, the the other guy who I work with in the electronic section. And he's been, you know, a super, super, like, um, knowledgeable, like, resource of all things music for me uh, while I've been there. And uh, I've, I've like, you know, other people there as well. Like, uh, this um, this other girl that I work with, uh, Izella, who works in the world section. Uh, my friend Zach, who works in the jazz room. Um, all of whom are, like, very into, like, the like a very like something that I'm not as like, you know, knowledgeable about. So, um, you know, you find all of these different people at Amoeba who are, are so like into like, you know, this, this type of music or something in the way that we are with like maybe electronic music. And I've found out about like a lot of stuff through just like asking questions there and like being recommended things by, by, uh, customers as well. Like that's a really, like fun and amazing part about working there is getting to like talk to people who are buying records that like I really love because if I see somebody walking with like a record or like looking at a record that is something that, you know, I'm super interested in, I I want to strike up a conversation with them. Um, and it's, it's the best part about being there for sure because not everybody is buying these kinds of records. Yeah. You know? It's funny. I've even met people just as a customer at Amoeba. I met, like Mike Ushansky, who's a promoter here in LA. I just like, I was there with Xander actually, and we were talking about a Max D record, probably like in a really annoying way. And he's like, oh, you guys are into that? Like, what's up? Like, I'm Mike, like, <laughs> what's this? And yeah. It's like, a classic, like, Amoeba thing. I actually, it reminds me of a story um, when I was shopping at Amoeba maybe like f- four years ago, maybe three or four. Um, I was looking for 100% Silk Records. Um, and Matt McDermott was working at Amoeba at the time. And I th- I believe I asked him where I could find something. And I was, I think I was looking for a Suzanne Craft record, actually. Um, and he's like, oh, yeah, come on, like right over here. And he's like handing me a flyer. He handed me a flyer after that for a party that he was doing with one of the people from 100% Silk. I was like, oh, wow, okay, like this is cool. Like I just like 
another world was just opened up to me and that was like one of his states of beings party states of being parties and i don't remember exactly which one it was but that's that's how i was introduced to that was by going to amoeba and um just like chatting with somebody who was working there yeah it's funny because you mentioned earlier that la does kind of feel like a lonely place sometimes just because it's huge and people live in different neighborhoods for different reasons and um there aren't a lot of places like that. Like I, I can think of like record stores and maybe like a couple of like venues where you just see people and you get to meet people like out in the, in the wild, so to speak. Totally. But it, it's cool when there are places where that are community centers. Yeah. That's, that's kind of how I feel about Amoeba is it does feel like a, a bit of, a bit of that. It's a place where you can connect with people on like this, like very deep level about, music which is it's a very like deep connection like you know you could talk to somebody online for like months and months without ever having like met them in person um and then hang out with them and it's like you guys are like friends already because of this like connection to to something music wise it doesn't always work out that way but you know yeah when it does it's nice yeah well thank you for sitting down with me in person Thank you for having me. It's good to I, see you in real life. Yeah, yeah. It's always nice to uh, to hang, and I'm glad I got to meet your new dog. Yeah, who sure. we still need to figure out. Like you, you need to still figure out a name for. Yeah, I'm, if this dog is not named by the time this airs on Monday, uh, we will have a problem. But uh, if you're listening to this, you can uh, reach out to me, LosAngelesElectronic.org, or at Liam underscore O on Twitter. He needs dog names. You can help me name my dog. Thanks, Jesse. Is there anything else you uh, want to say before we log off? Um, nope. I will uh, leave it at that. <laughs> Thank you for listening.